everyone. I am coming to you on a day that is a champagne optional day because, well, why would that be, Suzanne? I guess I should just say hi, Suzanne, and then let you answer that question. Hey, Michelle. Um, I think we were together this weekend, this past weekend, um, for the first time in a long time, and we joined our friends Christy and JC in their new home in Tucson. And so it was a celebratory weekend. I would say. So we had plenty of champagne this weekend. Not only champagne, but Sambuca and wine. And I think there was beer and there was some hard alcohol in there. There was a lot of bourbon flowing. There was. And, you know, every morning started with a mimosa, which I love those mornings. But yeah, I, I'm paying the price this week. So only orange juice today. And I just stuck with coffee. I didn't even have the orange juice. I went straight to my coffee. So Suzanne, I did learn a lot of things this past weekend, other than my liver needs a break. I did learn a few things and they surprised me. Oh, really? Well, that's intriguing to me because it's like the fact that you learned anything new about us. Well, one thing I'll say I learned and the other thing I'll say was an interesting observation. So, of course, this trip for us was progressive. We left our home here in Lake Havasu City and we went to Flagstaff and then we went to Phoenix. So the observation takes place in Phoenix. Uh, The night we were there, we had a dinner. There were seven of us at this dinner. Now, the interesting part of that is the tables were turned this time because we're so used to going to business dinners where it's almost all men and like two women. Well, this dinner was five women and two guys, Rob and Jeff. Correct. And I found it so fascinating (laughs) trying to watch those two guys get a word in edgewise. That's a good point. They were struggling. We just ignored them. Even when they were trying to hold up their hands to say, I have something to add, nobody (laughs) called on them. And I think Rob was shocked. And I found that very interesting to watch the dynamics of a dinner turn that way. Well, that's a really good point because that was interesting because I don't even try anymore to interject when we're at a business dinner and there are five men who all work together and two women. I really do just focus on the other woman at the table because first of all, I'm usually not interested in the men's conversation. (laughs) And it's usually about business. So it's like, eh. But yeah, so I don't even try when the tables are turned. But they tried. They tried to be part of our conversation. They really did. And I mean, they had to jump into some heavy topics like interior design, shopping, wedding planning, uh, weddings that had just taken place because Katie's daughter, Brooke, just got married. And they really did try to be a part of the conversation. But We weren't letting them in. That's true. So I found that interesting, but that was a really fun dinner and I love catching up with all my girlfriends. Yeah, it was. We really had a good time. But so what else did you find interesting observation-wise or what else did you learn this weekend? Well, the other thing, and this one is more learning because I always had a wing woman in you, Suzanne, but... On this trip, I learned that Suzanne Huners is becoming a kinder and gentler (laughs) Suzanne. And I was looking for a wing woman when I had this thing that upset me and had me stressed out. And I knew 
I could share it with Suzanne and she would be on my side, but you weren't. I know. I'm sorry. I feel bad about that. But you don't want me to be disingenuous. You want me to be honest. I do want you to be honest. Right. And let's be clear. I think you were right. We won't get too detailed about what it was that upset you because we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. But you were definitely right. And I think your opinion is going to be more valued down the road. And that may be true, but I'll just say this, because if the shoe was on the other foot, Suzanne, you would be upset. (laughs) I would have been upset. I agree. I would have been upset. Okay. I was just laughing. I found that very funny that I am now dealing with a kinder and gentler Suzanne. And when I was working on uh, the second set of edits for the last podcast on Travel Companions, And we were talking about the banks and how they kept turning off cards during our trip. Right. And you thank the bank for doing it. (laughs) You thank them for doing that now, all these years later, but there was no thanks going on back then. No. Like, what has happened to my friend? She's getting soft on me. Yeah, it must be my old age. It must be trying to um, figure out what really matters in life. And what's worth getting upset about and what's not. (laughs) So are we doing a little role reversal here where you're becoming kinder and gentler and I'm getting more of an edge to me? We've taught each other well. (laughs) Yes, maybe we're just balancing out. But those are the two things, one an observation and then one something I found interesting that I just thought I would share. Yeah. Because I have really had to think about that latter one. (laughs) Yeah. Blows my mind. (laughs) Yeah, well, and I think you get perspective. I think looking back on things, I after our year, I think we all get a different perspective on life. Well, the next thing I know, you're going to be accepting hugs from everybody. Oh, and you know what? When I got back from our little weekend junk, my Mr. Logan, my little love bug, gave me a real hug. I mean, it was a real hug. He put his arms around my neck and he squeezed and you know, of course, he came running up to me when he saw me. He was excited. You know, he did his motion for up, pick me up. And then he hugged me. And yeah, I thought, oh, yeah, hugs aren't bad. Right. And while we're on the subject of hugs, I just have to say, I saw it at that restaurant in Phoenix. You hugged Lisa and you never hugged me. And you gave Lisa a hug before you left. Uh, well, so yeah, I just have to dwell on that a little bit, too. Okay. (laughs) I promise that maybe the next time I see you, I'll give you a hug or you can give me a hug. I don't know if I'll be able to initiate the hug. Well, I think if you did, it would spark a little joy in me, which is a good lead into what we're talking about today, sparking joy in our lives. Yes. And I'm excited about this conversation because I have newly discovered the concept of sparking joy. Because before we saw each other last week, my son and daughter-in-law are here in Phoenix with us. And I was talking about the frustration of my closet because I'm shifting. (laughs) Okay, this is probably too much information, but I'm shifting my summer wardrobe and my winter wardrobe. Winter wardrobe gets packed away in a different closet. Summer wardrobe comes out. And it's Those times when I realize I have a shopping problem, I have a clothes problem, and I get stressed. 
Well, I just have to interject real quick here. That's the point you decide you have a shopping problem is when you're looking at your closet. Um, not when the bills come in at the end of the month or no, just kidding. No, I'm giving well, you time. no, and I get it. But when I did a little research on this idea of sparking joy, shopping is one of those things that can spark joy if it's something you really enjoy doing. And it's a stress release for me to go shopping. It always has been my entire life. And I buy something new and it sparks some joy in me. But what happens is then my closet fills up, I lose track of what's in my closet, and I have a very organized closet. It's organized by color, by type of clothing, you know, I have dresses in one place, pants, tops, you know, and then my tops are organized by sleeveless, short sleeve, long sleeve, and sweaters. So it's very organized, but yet I have so much in my closet that I lose track of what's in my closet. And it makes me tense. It stresses me out. So my daughter-in-law said to me, have you watched Marie Kondo's Netflix series about sparking joy and about reorganizing your closet and decluttering? Then we sat down and we watched it. And I don't know, it struck a chord with me. And it's like, I'm doing this. I'm going to my closet and I'm doing this. And her exercise is you take everything out of your closet and then you pick up each piece individually and you touch it and you feel it and you pay attention to how it makes you feel when you touch it and feel it. And yeah, my husband was a little skeptical and he made some jokes about it, but I got into it pretty quickly and I really loved the process. And so if it sparks joy... When you touch it and feel it, it goes back in your closet. If it doesn't, you actually say thank you to it and you get rid of it. And what were the end results of that? Did you find that most things spark joy or kind of 50-50? No, I would say it was a situation where probably a quarter of what I have actually sparked joy. And I don't know if this is Marie's original intention, but things spark joy for different reasons. Like it sparks joy because it's sentimental or it sparks joy because the last time I wore it was such a good experience that I love that outfit. (laughs) But only a quarter of what I own really sparks joy. And did I get rid of three quarters of my closet? I will say no. But I did probably get rid of 50% of my closet. And it that in and of itself sparks joy because I can see everything that's in my closet. Things aren't scrunched in my closet. Everything I look at, I feel like I would feel good about wearing it today. <laughs> so it sparked a lot of joy. And the other thing I learned is not only when I was touching, going through that exercise of touching and feeling everything, not only did a lot of it not spark joy, it actually created angst. Like I would pick something up and it would be like, I hate this. I hate, why do I even have this? Where I was actually saying that out loud. Like, I hate this. Why? And it's like, really, that's my emotion. And it's still hanging in my closet. I just found that very fascinating that the exercise in and of itself works because when you're touching and feeling it, and paying attention to your emotion, it's really an easy exercise. It's really easy to go through your closet. 
and get rid of things. And I have to say that we had talked about this in Tucson, the going through the closet and the exercise you went through. And I tried it when I got home. And as I went into my closet, the first thing I did is I took all the winter clothes out of my closet and I put them in a drawer in the other room, which why hadn't I done that months ago? It would have been so much tidier. That's the first thing I did. And then what was left were summer clothes. And as I went through them, there were a couple of things that I got rid of because they weren't sparking as much joy anymore. They were maybe a little out of style at this point. But instead of getting that reaction of, oh, I hate this. This makes me so uncomfortable. It doesn't bring me joy. I heard it saying to me, give me one more chance. (laughs) It's been a year of COVID. And so while I still did put it in the donation pile, I was like, oh, "Oh, it's a little bit harder than I thought because it has been a year of COVID and I haven't worn it in a year, but only because I've been wearing pajamas for a year. And that's one way to look at it. But Let's think about it this way. If we have been wearing pajamas for the last year during COVID, that is what we're most comfortable in. And that is what's sparking joy for us. I don't think it's because of laziness. I think it's because that is what makes us feel good. And so really, you can extend that. And it's like, okay, when I go out in public, obviously, I'm not going to wear pajamas, but I better have something on that makes me feel good about myself, that doesn't make me feel self-conscious, that doesn't make me tug at the waistband or shift, doesn't make me feel uncomfortable because I feel like I have to have spanks on underneath it. It's like what I have on in and of itself should make me feel good about myself. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't make me feel as good as the things I'm wearing when I'm in the privacy of my own home, then it's not spark and joy for me and it's out. COVID or no COVID, it's out. I think Spanx should all be burned because I don't know anybody that those little mothers spark joy for. Right. Because they are uncomfortable, they roll, but they're necessary sometimes when you go out or they feel necessary. But I hate those. Those do not spark joy in me. They spark anger. Yep, they don't spark joy in me either. But- That being said, then we should be wearing clothes that either are a size bigger or that just flow on our body better so that we don't need to put those spanks on, that we can still look good without the spanks. And why is that so difficult? Why do we think that we have to look so perfect that we have to sit through a dinner or sit through an event uncomfortably just to look good? Because we don't feel good. We just think we look good. So I don't know. It's part of (laughs) Suzanne 2.0. You know, the kinder, gentler person. I'm also turning into this. No, you know what? If it's not spark enjoying me for whatever reason, I'm not having it. And I kind of think that includes banks. And I think we should have learned from that, our experience in COVID and wearing pajamas all year or sweats that there should be clothes out there that are dressy yet comfortable. And if you can't find them, you need to go to a different department. <laughs> that simple. That's true. I'm sorry. I, I was like trying to think of the, the the right words to say after there, but I agree with everything you say. And again, it goes back to men don't have to deal with spanks. So why should we have to deal with them? 
Exactly. Yeah, I really enjoyed wearing my pajamas because I wasn't leaving the house. I mean, I showered every day and then put a clean pair of pajamas on and it was just the way I did things. But my scale says that I need to be more mindful of what I'm wearing. Well, I don't like talking about scales, actually. They do not spark joy either. So (laughs) I'm just going to skip the whole scale conversation. But I can talk about clutter and how that doesn't spark joy. And so as I look in my closet now, now that I've gotten rid of a few things that aren't sparking joy, I see all the boxes that I have up there. And when I got my first Louis Vuitton purse, it comes in this beautiful orange box, as they all do. And I had a really hard time getting rid of that box. But now I look at it and I'm like, you're just taking up space. So it's going to go in recycling, I think, because I need more space. No clutter. Yes, exactly. No clutter. And it's funny because last time I was with Katie, she was telling me about a YouTube vlogger that she listens to religiously, who's a designer. And he had a list of 10 things. And ugh, when I remember his name or when I get his name, I will be sure to give him credit for his, his blog. But he had a list of 10 things that you absolutely should get rid of today. And on his list were Louis Vuitton boxes because he said, yeah, they are gorgeous boxes, but what good are they doing you in your closet? And they're expensive boxes and they are well-made boxes, but unless you, it serves a good purpose you have to get rid of that, those boxes because all they do is take up space. They hold a memory though. And I think we talked about this in Vegas when we were there because we had gone to the Louis Vuitton shop and purchased a couple things. But instead of bringing them back with us to the hotel room, we decided to have them shipped back home to Alaska. And I was a little bummed because I realized in that moment that just carrying that Louis Vuitton bag after making a purchase sparks joy. (laughs) And I know that sounds so superficial. I get it. But it just makes me so happy to carry that bag around. I've never done it before, but I have thought, let's say I buy my Louis Vuitton on a Monday that on Tuesday, I'll just bring that bag back downstairs <laughs> because it does spark so much joy. And again, I know it's completely superficial, but it does. Well, it does. But is the memory of that joy enough to keep it in your closet and have it take up valuable space that you could be using that space for something else? Maybe not. Maybe just having a line of Louis Vuitton boxes in your closet is enough to say, ah, I love my closet because I think that's my whole point is I have to go into my closet and be happy and not be like, oh, what am I going to wear today? I don't know. And I don't like how my closet looks and things like that are really important to me. And if I had a line of Louis Vuitton boxes on my top shelf just for decoration, yeah, I would probably feel pretty happy about that. Yeah, I'm not saying I have a huge collection of boxes, but I do have a few. Well, in my quest to spark joy in my life. I did get rid of every empty box I have. I mean, I got rid of all of my Louis Vuitton boxes. I got rid of old Nordstrom boxes. And see, I always, Nordstrom always used to have the best boxes at Christmas. And so I saved those boxes from year to year thinking, oh, this will be a great box to wrap Christmas presents in. And in Anchorage, in my home in Anchorage, in the garage, I have a whole cabinet of empty Nordstrom boxes so that I can wrap presents at Christmas time. 
guess what? When I go home to Anchorage next time, they're all, I'm throwing them all away. Throwing them all away. Don't eat them. Take up too much space. Yes. And you know who has a beautiful box also? And I'm sure everyone's like going, get off this box thing. <laughs> but Tori Birch, just really quick. Yes. She's come in a really cute box and cute packaging. Yep. As does Kate Spade. I mean, that's what they do right. You know, they do the packaging right. And at Why Hello, I don't have, I have boxes at Christmas, but I do the packaging right because it sparks joy in me. And I've told anyone who will listen in my store, the last thing I will ever cut is my packaging because it makes me happy to see people walk out of my store with great packaging. So I will never cut corners on my packaging. Yeah, we had talked about that actually before you even opened Why Hello and how your son, he's an accountant and he's like, you don't really need packaging that nice. And you're like, nope, I do. I want people to walk out with a smile and my packaging, I feel, will make them smile. And it does. I, I, I love walking out with a Why Hello bag and then all the tissue paper, either in um, polka dots or black and white stripes. I, I love it. Well, thank you. And you know what else is interesting is when I go to other shops like mine, which you know is how I, a lot of times how I find new product for my store, when I look at their packaging, if their packaging isn't as nice as mine, it makes me very proud of myself. I feel really good about myself that I don't cut corners on my packaging. And yeah, this is truly turning out to be the most superficial podcast we've ever done. I'm just saying, because I'm talking about a packaging But when I leave another store, no matter how much I love it, if I don't like their packaging, I think to myself, oh, I do such a good job with my packaging. Or when you go into that store and you spend money on quality product, put it in a plastic bag, doesn't that make you think like, hmm. Right. Because here I just spent all this money you're putting in a little chintzy plastic bag that I could get at the grocery store. Right. And yeah. It very well could be a store I don't go back to because of that, because of how I leave the store and how, and being disappointed in how it was given to me once I purchased it. You know, that would that could keep me from going back into that store. And, you know, there's always that other side of looking at it. You know, people are going to go home and they're going to throw away their shopping bags. And, you know, it seems like it might be a waste of money. But I still think when they take their items out of their bag, it's going to spark joy because it's pretty, because it looks nice. And when I was a teenager and a young adult, and my sister and I did a lot of shopping, and it was one of our favorite things to do. Every year, we would take a weekend and we'd go to Seattle to go shopping. And I would save the shopping bags. I'd, I'd fold them up, pleat them you know, on their pleats, and I'd put them in my suitcase. And I took all of the cool shopping bags home. And I had a closet full of shopping bags. And I always wanted to (laughs) wallpaper a wall with my shopping bags. And my dear niece, my sister's daughter, took all of my shopping bags. I gave them to her with that idea. And we wallpapered the inside of her closet with all of my shopping bags. And I had great shopping bags. And that was the most fun ever. That is so cool. Right? That is a great idea. And just every time you go into the closet, just the joy of seeing all the different um, places you can go to shop, of course. Obviously, we love shopping. Obviously, (laughs) shopping is something that sparks joy 
in both of us. It does. And I will tell you, when I get to a mall, and I don't care if it's an outside mall or an inside mall, but the smell, the vibe, the feel, the excitement of anticipation in the air, I love to shop. And oh, so do I. I will share one more story about shopping, and then maybe we should move on to something less superficial that sparks our joy. <laughs> yeah, good idea. <laughs> When we were in Phoenix, we we did go shopping. And one of my goals while shopping was to find a pair of shoes for the wedding. I think I'd mentioned in an earlier podcast that Rob was going to bring a pair down from Anchorage with him, but he forgot them. So this task was put upon me. And I happily accepted the challenge with my dear friend, Suzanne, helping me. So we went to Nordstrom's and we met in the shoe department. And she brought over some shoes And as I'm going through them, she finally opens up one of the boxes and it was like angels singing in the background or something, light shining on them. And she pulled out these beautiful shoes that are going to be perfect for the dress. They have a little more of a heel than I like, but they're beautiful. They're blue and they have some bling on them. And I got so caught up in that moment the idea of these beautiful shoes in the photographs, which I'll have to, of course, hold my dress up a little so people can see my shoes. Absolutely. (laughs) Totally superficial, I know, but they spark so much joy. And I got so caught up in that moment that I didn't realize how caught up until Rob got the receipt and the man was not happy about it. (laughs) But I'm just saying, in that moment, in that pure spark of joy and adrenaline, it was okay. And it is okay. Yes. But um, yeah, that that was a moment of complete joy and being present in the moment. So well, and I was um, explaining to someone earlier, when I talk about how it sparks joy, I have to compare it to when I'm designing, when I do anything with design, whether it's picking a color or picking a fabric. And you know, that feeling of you know, it, when you see it. And it's hard to explain that, you know it when you see it, because you're not really just picking a color. You get a visceral experience. You know it. And what it does is it sparks joy. It's like when I pick a fabric, it's like, this is it. I know it deep in my soul because it it evokes an emotion in me. And that's how I design everything. It's how I work with everything I do. I wait for that visceral experience, that feeling of this is it. I knew it. I can feel it in my gut. And I think you are very intuitive. I I describe you a lot as intuitive. And I think I liken it to following your intuition, following really being mindful of how you feel about things following it and trusting it and doing it. Yes. Just jumping right in and um, trusting your, yeah. Yes. Trusting your instinct. And we're going to have a whole episode on that, hopefully in the near future. But to hear you talk about design, Suzanne, I a hundred percent know intuitively in every other way that you are the right person to design the house we're going to be building. So I hope you're up for the challenge. I Oh, you know I am. We'll have lots of good Chardonnay on hand and we'll help in any way I can, but I'm not a visual person. So it's going to be a struggle for me. Well, and what's interesting to me is 
see, when I talk about my visceral experiences, I don't consider myself a visual person either. I really go with that feeling. I wait for that feeling. When I'm looking for something, I wait for that feeling. And when I get that feeling, I know it's right. And I can't rush it because I always know if I'm patient enough, I'll find it. And if you rush it, you usually end up sacrificing your experience and you don't grasp the full joy of finding the right thing. And then you usually end up regretting it and saying, "Mm, no, this isn't right. So anyway, that's my thing. I love how you just described that. And sparking joy, we've talked about it in, okay, kind of a superficial way so far, but there are so many things around us that spark joy. Have you ever been so caught by a moment that when that moment hits, you have to mentally take a photograph of everything going on just to remember because you know you don't want to forget this moment. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. Do you have a specific example, though, that you could share with us? I do have one. And we were talking about it the other night because, again, we were with the Gang of Six, the group that we travel with, and we were talking about our favorite moment ever on a trip. And this moment I have committed to memory in every single detail because it was just in that moment, the perfect moment. We had gone on a walk. We were in Barcelona, Spain, and we kind of got lost or not really lost. We were just in some random alley or uh, what do they call them? You know, those little side roads. And someone said, here's a nice patio. Let's sit out here and have something to eat, maybe a drink. And it was kind of early in the morning. I remember it was maybe 10, 30 or 11. And so we all decided to sit down there. And again, first thing I'm thinking about when we sit down is the menu. Hopefully there'll be something I like. And there was, I think they're called um, patatas brava or something. You remember those? Oh, I do. Yummy sauce on them. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I even remember what I ate and I had a glass of wine and I had these wonderful French fries, basically. We're just sitting there. The sun is beating down and then an accordion player walks by and he starts to play the lambada, which is a very beautiful dance. And I knew this dance because of my Zumba classes. Right. And prior to going to Spain in Zumba, we would always do this dance and it just felt so freeing to dance it. So in that moment, being with my friends, having good food and good wine in front of me and this accordion player randomly showing up to play a song that sparked joy in my heart, perfect moment for me and committed to memory sparks joy to think about it even now. You're right. I mean, I don't know that that would be my favorite memory because it obviously your experience was different because of the accordion player and the music that you related to. And we're going to do a whole episode on this too, about things that spark good memories, you know, like scents, like a song, like any piece of clothing. And I think we have a whole episode that we can dedicate to what sparks good memories for us. But I agree with you. It's like there's nothing better than one of those memories that you've committed to your mind. And it's all about 
being present also in that moment and actually letting yourself completely relax into it and remember everything going on around you. All five senses are alert, six senses with the the third eye and everything, but everything is present and in that moment. I find being mindful, very joy provoking or joy sparking also. Do you have an experience you'd like to share? Did I share one of those moments the other night when we were talking about it? Because I could re I could relive that moment. I mean, we have had so many times where we just have had so much pure fun that we have laughed, you know, laughed our hearts out and sang our hearts out and just got caught up in the moment of our fun. But right now, of course, after putting me on the spot, I have nothing that specifically pops into my head. And an hour from now, when we're done with all of this, I'll be like, dang it, I should have talked about that moment. You definitely will be saying that and kicking yourself a little bit. But you know what? The best part is we have an episode next week, which reminds me just real quick, totally off the topic. Last week's episode, we were talking about being at the Louvre and the stones that almost got knocked over. So I asked Rob and of course, he 100% off the top of his head said it was a code of Hammurabi. Wow. Good memory. So <laughs> those were the stones that almost got knocked over. So now we can go back to um, what sparks joy, but <laughs> that sparks something in Rob to remember it. Yeah. All years, no kidding. To remember it all these years later. So anyhow. So what else do you think of when you think of sparking joy? Well, the other thing, it's like, I think, that we need to include in our lives things that spark joy. And I think sometimes it gets lost in our day-to-day life. And like, for example, for me, if I'm reading a good book, there is nothing better on earth if I'm reading a good book. And before I opened my store, I read every single night before I went to, went to bed. It, it was something that I never missed, even if I read for 10 minutes or 10 pages of a book, I read every single night. And then when I got busy opening my store and getting ready for that, the books I were reading was like how to, how to run a small business, how to be a business owner, you know, how to write a business plan, things that really I didn't enjoy reading. So I really got out of that habit of reading every single night for 10 or 15 minutes. And I really missed it. And I've gone back to it. I still don't do it every single night. I should get back to doing it every single night because that is something that sparks joy in me. I think something, a hobby, any hobby that you have that you really enjoy, I think it's something that you should force yourself to practice every single day. And reading would be one of those things for me. I should read every single day because it sparks joy in me. Definitely. I know reading is a big part of your life. And so, yes, I would agree that completely. Not that I even have to agree with what sparks joy in you, but I could see that. That's a better word. I could see where that would spark joy because you can get lost in that moment. And that's really important. I look at myself and I don't really see myself as a nature buff. I'm becoming more of one. I guess I'm comparing it to Jeff and his appreciation of nature and everything. So I can't do that. I can't do that. I can just say that when I go out into nature these days, there are little things that spark joy. 
like when I was on my walk this morning, I saw this bird I have never seen before. And it was like black and white and it had a long beak. And I thought it was a woodpecker of some sort. But in that moment, it's like, wow, I haven't seen that before. That makes me really happy to see it. And you know, I'm not a fan of birds, but like little things every morning when I wake up, I give a faith talk to myself. And in that talk, I say that I want to find joy in the small things. And so I really have taken it back to those small moments, watching a dragonfly, how it flitters, and then to see one up close and to actually see how um, translucent the wings are. I mean, little things like that spark tremendous joy these days. But I think, again, that goes into everything that's happened over the past year because everything was going so fast in my life. I couldn't keep up that now that I've slowed down, I am finding joy all around me in the little things. It's just such an incredible thing. I think if we all reflected on the last year of COVID, I think we could all find moments where we really hit the reset button. We slowed down. We looked at life differently. And I think, I wonder if we would find more people that have found joy in their life just because they've had time to look for it. That makes complete sense. But I will tell you something that did not spark joy for me prior to COVID and did not spark joy for me this morning because we live near a lake and in our backyard, we have a pool. And every year at this time of year, there are ducks that want to come and swim in our pool. That's so and funny. all I can think is, you have a whole lake. Why do you want to be in my pool? And it freaks me out a little bit. It does not spark joy because I think, oh, they're dirty little feet. Where have they been? And then they'll probably go to the bathroom in my pool and they have like duck lice on them and it's just messy. I don't like any of that. I know I'm a princess. I swim in a lake too, but when I'm in the lake, I expect that in my pool, I don't expect it. And so when they landed this morning in my pool, I was like, oh, hell no. Yeah. No. <laughs> so we're vigilant. We watch all the time for these ducks that bring no joy to me when they're swimming in my pool. Well, that just leads me into another part of this conversation about sparking joy is getting rid of the things in your life that don't spark joy. And not just material items, but let's talk about habits that maybe they don't serve you well. You know, they kind of stand in your way of finding joy or experiencing joy. And one example that pops into mind for me, because this happened over the holidays, especially because all of my kids were home, I was cooking a lot, you know, it's the holidays. And I got in the habit. Uh, I was eating way too much sugar. And it's because I thought I really, I have a sweet tooth. And it's one of those things that you just, <sighs> but I think a sugar is a little addictive. You know, it's like the more you eat of it, the more you crave it. And that happened to me over Christmas. And I woke up one morning and it's like, okay, this is just a nasty habit. I've just gotten used to eating sugar in my diet. And it's kind of making me feel like shit. <laughs> And so I really had to cut way back on my sugar and I had to be very careful. And it's amazing how when you take something like that out of your diet and you replace it with something different, how much more you feel good, better about yourself. You feel better about what's going into your body. You feel a little healthier. 
does it make sense to you that it's like the sugar habit that I had got in my way? It wasn't serving me well. It got in my way. I took the sugar out of my diet, except for wine, of course, and made room for better things in my diet, which made me feel better about myself, which sparked more joy. That does make sense. And I'm sitting here and kind of like you with the story, trying to think of any nasty little habits that I have that once I've addressed them, they've gone away and sparked joy, but it must be perfect. I can't think of any right now. I know. It makes room for for you to introduce other things into your life. When you take out a habit that you just do out of habit, you take that out, you first, you recognize it as a bad habit and it makes room for a better habit or something that creates happiness or creates joy. Yes. And I was just kidding a minute ago. I'm not perfect. Um, And I guess there are some habits. And the one that comes to mind is I like things to go a certain way. And when they don't, I get thrown for a loop and it takes me a minute to get back there. So I really have been consciously trying So when a plan changes or I see myself trying to control something too much to step back in the flow and just let it happen rather than fight it. So that's sparking a little bit more joy because Rob feels more relaxed. I feel more relaxed about it. And I know it's not the end of the world. So it's a total mindset thing. And it is something I'm consciously working on. Well, I like that. Yeah, because I probably try and control and boss you around too. (laughs) No, I don't think I don't think that at all. I've never thought that. But I also think it's self-awareness. It's practicing self-awareness. It's practicing what we like about ourselves and what we don't like about ourselves and enhancing what we like about ourselves and removing the things we don't like about ourselves. And I think you just gave a perfect example of that because it's not other people's perspective of you. It's your perspective of yourself. And it's really a lot. There's a lot of self-awareness there. Yes. And I love being self-aware and learning more and trying to be a better person every day. That is truly what I strive for. And it is what you're striving for too, as I said in the beginning of this episode, kinder and gentler, let me tell you. Well, yeah, maybe. It's not always serving me when you do that. (laughs) Isn't that selfish to say? And I'm realizing in the moment it's selfish. It's not selfish. It's not selfish at all. It's just different. It's just different. But I actually take it as a compliment because that just hopefully means I'm evolving as a person and I'm not the bitchy little Karen that I have always been. Well, let me just say this. I never thought you were a bitchy little Karen, but these changes they are noticeable and they are gentler. So watch out podcast world. (laughs) You may not even recognize her in three months or six months or a year. Yeah. Well, we'll see about that. I don't know. (laughs) Old habits die hard. Yes, they do. And sometimes we just have to go with them. Oh, dang it. And you know, earlier today, I saw that word that I'm like, oh, I know what it is now. It just came back. Carp diem? Carpe, oh, that seize is the, the day. Seize the yes, day. Seize the day. Yes. How do you say that? Carp diem? Carpe diem? Carp, yeah. yeah. Car, I think it's carpe yeah. diem. Carpe diem. And that's the word when I'm saying like viva la day, that's the word I've been trying to remember the past couple episodes. I'm not going to say it again because I probably already forgotten how to pronounce it. But <laughs> yeah, 
That's the word. That's great. Well, you know what? I have a word that I just found out the meaning of, and (laughs) it's just so surprising to me. So you know that I am a huge Minnesota Vikings fan, and my family is a huge Minnesota Vikings fan. And if you're a Minnesota Viking, you know that the most common word that comes out of anyone's mouth is skull, S-K-O-L, skull. And it's just common practice. You know, it's just one of those things. You say skull, you know, you're talking to a Vikings fan. Okay, so I found this great new PBS series on Masterpiece Theater called Atlantic Crossing. And it's about World War II, the invasion of Norway, and how the queen of Norway, or the I think she was pr- the crown princess of Norway at the time, had to flee her country with her three children. And she went across the Atlantic and Franklin Roosevelt befriended her and her children. They lived in the White House for a long time. And anyway, when World War II ends and everything is getting back to normal, at all of the celebratory parties, every time someone would lift their drink, they'd say, skull, (laughs) which clearly means cheers. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that either. I just thought it meant like a tobacco line or something. No, it means cheers. And I even asked one of my sons if they knew that. And they they thought it was just a um, Scandinavian greeting, but it's a Norwegian word for cheers. And I just, I thought that was the coolest thing ever that I learned that little piece of trivia on this show on PBS. (laughs) I mean, way off topic, nothing about sparking joy. But when you said carpe diem. But that diem, did spark joy. Yeah, carpe that diem. That did spark joy for Yeah, me. yeah. It just made me think of that. And I just thought it was a really interesting fact. And funny how there's that random connection between a PBS show and football. I know, right? And I'm sure if there are any Minnesota Vikings fans out there listening to me, they're all going, oh my God, Suzanne, you're late to the game. <laughs> How could you not know that? I'm sure my brothers would be rolling their eyes right now. Like, are you freaking kidding me? You didn't know that school meant cheers, but I learned something new. (laughs) It was just, that was, yeah, way off topic, but. Way off topic, but a good place to end it almost. One more thing. And let me just, I'm just going to make a statement and you tell me if it sparks joy and then we'll go ahead and lead out of this. So on Facebook the other day, I saw that Downton Abbey was coming out with a second movie. Yes. And that does spark joy for me because that is one of my feel-good shows. I love Downton Abbey. And PBS has started running Downton Abbey again. The old episodes on Sunday nights, they run like two episodes a week. And yeah, I love that show. So yeah. Wow, that is a calmer reaction than I... I thought you thought get. you would give me. I thought you would be like, wow, yeah. But no, it was just calm and well-spoken. Well, I love Downton Abbey and I'm very excited about it. Although I'm kind of at that frustrated point where all of these shows, like Ted Lasso, another show I love, love Ted Lasso. And season two is being released in July. So excited about it. But it's like, are you kidding me? July, we have to wait until July for the next season. 
So it's a little doubt nabby. Okay, well, when is when will that movie be ready? You know, it'll probably be 2023 before it comes out. Wow, that's a buzzkill thinking about that. But hopefully it'll be before then. Yeah. And until then, you just spend your nights drinking good wine and finding other shows that spark joy. Right. They're few and far between, but... Yeah, that that's true. Depending on your taste. I mean, there's a lot out there, but you've got to find what's worth your investment of time. Another whole episode for us to talk about. I think so. Well, with all that shared, I guess it's time to close this thing up. And I'll do that saying skull. <laughs> I was going to say that too. I was going to say skull, but I'll say cheers. Oh, I stole your line. So I'll say cheers. <laughs> okay. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Orange Juice Optional. What many of you wouldn't know is that this podcast has been a shared vision of ours for many years. And knowing what we know now, I can't believe we've waited so long to make our vision a reality. Right? I really think the hesitation on our part came from all the unknowns of podcasting. The biggest unknown being the toughest one. Where do we begin? That's when we found Podigy and Riley. And you know, if we had Godsend music, I'd cue it right now. Riley is a know-everything-about-podcasting kind of guy, and the best part for us was that he was so nice and down-to-earth about everything. And by everything, I mean he answered so many questions, he gave so much reassurance, and he offered advice on things we hadn't even considered. Initially, Podigy helped us choose our recording equipment, find our music, create our artwork, and set up our templates for recording. And seriously, how many Zoom calls did setting up the templates take? Probably too many to count because we are a technology challenge. But the best part of each one of those calls was the reassuring voice on the other end. I love that about Podigy. Now that our podcast setup is complete and things are running a bit smoother, knock on wood, Podigy is going to edit each upcoming episode, do our show notes, and get our show out there for the listeners. Their help takes so much off our plate that all we really need to worry about is our friendship, next week's topic, and if it's an orange juice needed kind of day. So if you're interested in podcasting, please don't let the unknown stop you. Please check out Riley at podigy.co. That's P-O-D-I-G-Y dot C-O. They have packages available based on each show's individual needs. Thanks again, Podigy. Our next toast is for you. Cheers. Cheers.